Broadcasting Company presents The Magnificent Montague, starring Marty Woolley. Montague, the magnificent Montague, or as he modestly puts it himself, the greatest living Shakespearean actor on the stage, today is a broken man. This paragon of the legitimate theater, this thespian rock who sneered at anything not connected with the theater, this man today is in radio. Thanks to his wife, Lily Bowen, his one-time leading lady, Montague, the King Lear, the Macbeth of yesteryear, is today Uncle Goodhart, hero of an afternoon radio serial. It is the morning after his first program, and he is sound asleep, happy in the thought that the whole thing was a horrible dream. But his wife, Lily, is up and determined to keep him in radio. The phone is ringing in the Montague apartment. Agnes, the maid, will answer. Okay, okay. Don't blow your top. The residence of Edwin Montague and Miss Lily Boang. Huh? Mr. Montague? He's asleep. Huh? Wake him up. Me with no accident insurance? <laughs> Who? Oh, sure. Come on over. Who is that actor? Some publicity man from the radio station to see your husband. They're coming right over. Well, Agnes, I just got him up. He's got another program today. Can you see Montague having breakfast with strangers looking on? If they can stomach it, he can. <laughs> Now, Agnes, we've got to help Edwin through this crucial period. He's doing something entirely new. He's working. The magnificent Montague working. This is going to throw the Unemployment Insurance Act out the window. The whole thing was built around him. <laughs> Agnes, I'm so proud of him. It's unbelievable. Edwin Montague up at 8 o'clock. A working man. A working man. Labor needs him like they need the seven-day week. <laughs> Agnes, you'd better get his breakfast ready. He should be ready soon. What stage is he at? His calisthenics. What a routine. Every morning he gets up. Half hour later, his eyes open. Then a slow shower. Combs his beard, calisthenics, warms up his voice. It's like King Tut coming back to life. <laughs> They're off at Rockingham. <laughs> Agnes, he's exercising his strength. Here we go, roaming the hills again. I roam the hills through golden bow. Hurry, here he comes. Good morning, darling. I roam the Good morning, Lily. Well, darling, how is our radio star this morning? Lily, don't be revolting. <laughs> oh, here comes Agnes with your breakfast Good morning, Uncle You're here This morning I had the most wonderful lingering dream I dreamt that on your way to work You were struck by a Steinway concert grand piano Dropped from the 14th floor of Carnegie Hall You're sweet <laughs> Now, 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 no arguments at breakfast Oh, just imagine, Edwin. You having breakfast in the morning just like everybody else. Here, drink this. <coughs> Edwin. What is this dank, insipid liquid? It's orange juice. Orange juice? I never heard of it. <laughs> it's the juice of oranges squeezed into a glass. Why must you always be the first to try out every new fangled concoction on me? 
What am I, a guinea pig? No, but you're getting warm. <laughs> Lily, will you order the domestic back to the scullery? Agnes, take it away. Bring his cornflakes. My what? Cornflakes. Corn. Corn. Wouldn't be simpler just to turn me out into a pasture to graze? <laughs> Corn, what am I, a swine? Edwin. Let me answer that. I had my hand up first. Edwin, please. <laughs> uh, life has become simple for me. I live but for one thing. Her day off. <laughs> Agnes, bring Edwin's coffee. Okay, honey. Lily, you've got to do something about Agnes. The moment I open my eyes in the morning, I'm involved in guerrilla warfare. <laughs> Lily, Agnes has to go. Oh, don't be silly, Edwin. Agnes has been with us for 25 years. Well, wouldn't it be wise to get rid of her while she has some trade-in value? <laughs> oh, I've never seen you so irritable. There's something on your mind. Now, out with it. Lily... I didn't sleep a wink all night thinking about it. I'm not going back on that that radio program. Oh, now, Ed. Lily, don't make me do it. Think of the theater lovers of tomorrow when they read about me and who's who. Edwin Montague played Othello for David Velasco, Macbeth for Daniel Froben, Richard III for Charles Dilligan, and Uncle Goodhart for NBC. <laughs> Edwin. It's like asking Arturo Toscanini to play Goodnight Irene. Edwin, we've gone through this already. You're going to stay in radio. Radio? Oh, what a rogue and peasant fool am I. Peasant slave. Peasant slave am I. Edwin. Lily, sweetheart, I, I wanted to keep this from you, but... Uh, well, what is it? Lily, I am not a well man. You're not? I went to see Dr. Caldwell yesterday. I know. He phoned me. Did he mention anything? Yes, he was furious. He never wants you to step into his office again. Why not? You know why not. Dr. Caldwell was a football player at Notre Dame. Today, at 35, he's in the prime of life. Yet every time he examines you and sees the perfect physical condition you're in, it leaves him green with envy. <laughs> that quack. <laughs> I tell you, I'm a sick man. Well, Edwin, how can you be sick? In your entire life, you've never missed your 14 hours of sleep each night. You've never eaten anything but the finest food. And you've never been close enough to anybody to catch anything. <laughs> oh, Lily, I... A sick man. Draft boards drool when you go by. <laughs> Now, now, stop acting like a baby. You're going to be on that program this afternoon. No, not radio. I refuse to be a part of this electronic monster that's killed the theater. Never. Here's your coffee. I hope it isn't poisoned. Don't bet on it. Excellent. <laughs> now, Edwin, what is this nonsense about radio killing the theater? Nonsense? I read in the theater arts magazine where one afternoon radio program has five million listeners. It's called Aunt Agatha something. Aunt Agatha, 3 to 3.30, Monday through Friday, sponsored by Saperoni Soap, the soap that takes the guesswork out of romance. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's the idiot's delight. 
Are these people rushing to the theater to see the plays of Shakespeare, Chekhov, and Ibsen? No. It's Aunt Agatha. Aunt Agatha. Now, you listen to me, Edmund Montague. I'm going to be frank. The last time you worked was eight years ago in King Lear. The play lasted two performances, but for you, the curtain never came down. You're still taking bows. Oh, Lily, anything but radio. I know. I, I, I'll, I'll try talking pictures. I understand they're perfecting them. <laughs> you have a contract for eight weeks. The sponsor likes you. They're giving you $200 a week. You know what that means? Yes, that I'm selling my soul for 30 pieces of silver. Compared to me, Judas Iscariot was a little pussy cat. <laughs> I can't do it. Edwin, you have to. I refuse to stand by and watch you waste the rest of your life, dozing in your leather chair with those dreary hams in the proscenium club. Now it's my theatrical club. Go ahead, Lily. You plunge the knife into my back. Now twist it. I don't mind your proscenium club, Edwin, but must you spend all your time there? And with whom shall I spend an intellectual evening? Milton Burl? <laughs> I know they're your old friends. Friends, comrades in arms, fellow soldiers. The thin red line of loyal defenders who are keeping alive the last flickering flame of theatrical sculpture. Well, that's rather good, Edwin. Where'd you hear it? At the club. Oh. Basil Hardwick said it in his denunciation speech against Cecil Banks. So they threw Cecil Banks out of the proscenium club. And why not? The turncoat, the renegade... He took a job in radio. Lily, if they ever find out that I, too, am uh, Benedict Arnold. Oh, they can't find out. You're incognito on that program. There can't be a word, not a hint, not a bit of publicity that Edwin Montague is Uncle Goodhart. The publicity men are here. Well, don't stand there. Show the publicity men. Now, Edwin. This way, boys. Okay. There he is, your friend and mine, Uncle Goodhart. Hi, my name's Malone. If you want any cheesecake pictures, I'll be in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, may I, uh... I'll be with you in a minute, Mr. Montague. Okay, Harry, set the camera up in that corner. You mind if he moves the statue of that woman? That woman is Mr. David Garrick. <laughs> That's cute. Okay, Harry, get it set up. Then go down to the car and bring up the live turkey. <laughs> turkey? May I inquire of you gentlemen just what you intend to do? Sure, sure. Here's the pitch. First, a few quick shots of you sitting at the table with the turkey. Surefire breaks and papers for Thanksgiving. Get your name and face around. Yeah. Then we go after the big spreads. Wednesday, we got your book to judge your most beautiful baby contest. You know, pictures of kids sprawling all over you. A little messy, but great for the out-of-town papers. <laughs> Shows how Edwin Montague puts the heart in Uncle Goodhart. You get it? Yeah. Then we hack out a few stories for the columns. How radio took Edwin Montague, a little-known actor, out of obscurity and put him in a public eye. Stuff like that. Yeah. Then we take you around so you've seen it all the best places. The roller derby, hockey games, the fights at St. Nick's. Maybe referee a little wrestling. Yeah. Then we hit the fan magazines. Mr. and Mrs. Uncle Goodhart show marriage can be fun. Then hobby stuff. Pictures of you ski jumping, building a boat in a box. <laughs> yeah. 
Then uh, after that, some gag pictures, you know, down at Stillman's gym, going a few rounds with Rocky Graziano, horsing around, <laughs> horsing around with the showgirls at the Latin Quarter. You know, human interest. Yeah. Well, uh, that is just about the first phase of my campaign. It is? Yeah. Good. Now that you told me what you're going to do for me, may I tell you what I'm going to do for you? Okay. First, I'm going to spit in your eyes. <laughs> then I'm going to smash your camera with tripod over your head. Then I'm going to tenderly lift your unconscious body and take it to the window and drop it out. Then I'm going to rush downstairs to the sidewalk in the hope of arriving there simultaneously with your body. And then I shall proceed to stamp out any sign of life that might remain in your miserable, detestable carcass. And that, sir, will be the first phase in my campaign. I don't understand. Quiet! All you have to understand is this. If one word, one syllable, one indication ever leaks out that Edwin Montague is in radio, I shall track you down to the darkest corner of the pool room you are obviously living in. <laughs> Mr. Montague. Out! Out! Grab the camera! Out. Get out! Ah. God, that felt good. Well, now that you've had your raw meat for the day, here's your coat. You have to get to the studio for your radio program. Lily, give me one more chance. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll bit parts. I'll carry a spear. I know. I'll go to see the Schubert's right away. By tomorrow, I'll be on the road in the student prints. Drink, 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 the hearts of the... Edwin, here's your coat. Lily, where is your heart? You who have played Portia in the Merchant of Venice. Have you forgotten? The quality of mercy is not strained. It falleth as a gentle drop. Droppeth as a gentle rain. Droppeth as a gentle Edwin, rain. Here is your coat. There is no other way. Here is your coat. Thank you. Goodbye, Lily. Goodbye, Edwin. I ho, Uncle Goodheart. Away! Tonight for Duffy's Tavern. The welcome man is out at Duffy's Tavern, and your host will be the ungrammatical Archie, played by Ed Gardner. Duffy won't be there as usual, but he will be represented by his undeniably charming daughter, Miss Duffy. Clifton Finnegan and Eddie the Waiter will also be on hand to join in the mischief which Archie will undoubtedly cook up. Yes, the chimes are your invitation to top Friday evening listening later tonight with Duffy's Tavern over most of these NBC stations. And a reminder, this Sunday on NBC, it's the big show once again. An hour and a half of the best in comedy, music, and drama. And now, back to the magnificent Montague. We find him on the air, just finishing up his Uncle Goodhart program. Let's listen. Oh, Uncle Goodhart. What you have told me has made me realize that I've been a spoiled, selfish girl. I shall never doubt Ronald again. Good. Yes, thanks to you, Clarissa and I are going away to build a new life together in Pittsburgh. Good. We're leaving today. Uncle Goodhart, won't you come and live with us? No, 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 my children. My place is here in my little cottage on the sunny side of the lane. <laughs> 
where I could help other weary wayfarers along the road to life. So ends another episode of Uncle Goodhart, brought to you by Shalimar Soap. And here is Uncle Goodhart with his thought for the day. <sighs> uh, when the waves are high and the rain is hard and the wintry breezes blow and a stranger stands in the teeth of the gale, won't you step up and say, Hello? Okay, Mr. Montague, we're off the air. There must be a limit to what the human stomach can endure. Mr. Montague! Mr. Montague! You remember me? Must I? <laughs> well, I'm Mr. Springer, the producer. You did it again. The sponsor was crazy about it. Asked Mr. Zinzer, our director. The switchboard is jammed with calls. They love you. The sponsor wants a testimonial from you about Shalimar Soap. Oh, very well. Uncle Goodhart says that after each broadcast, he uses a cake of Shalimar Soap to wash out his mouth. <laughs> well, Mr. Montague, you don't understand what you've done. You're a sensation. I am? Do you know what you've done to Aunt Agatha? I warn you, I will deny it. <laughs> Listen to him, Mr. Zinzer. <laughs> Here you are on only the second program, and you've already stolen a million listeners away from Aunt Agatha. She's on the air directly opposite you. Million listeners? A million? You have four million listeners. Four million listeners? You mean when I talked into that perforated little box, four million? It'll be ten million before we're through. We'll drive Aunt Agatha off the air. Ten million listeners? My entire stage career playing a standing room only. I have never been heard by even one million, and here in 15 minutes, ten million people. Amazing. Amazing. Just a copy Oh, good morning, Edwin. <laughs> good morning, Lily. Ah, you've got my orange juice and cornflakes ready. Yum, yum, I'm starved. <laughs> well, you go ahead, Edwin. I'm sorting your mail. Imagine, only one month on the air and look. 500 letters this morning alone. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> What's funny, dear? Oh, this letter here from a lady in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Listen. Dear Uncle Goodhart, I am in love with an unemployed paper hanger. My parents want me to marry the manager of an A&P store. Dear Uncle Goodhart, what shall I do? Marry for love or money? <laughs> What is so funny about oh, that? Because a poor, confused young lady turns to the only person she has faith in. The one voice on the air she feels is a friend. Is this something to laugh at? Edwin! Really, Lily, I am shocked at your callousness. Edwin, I felt this coming on, but I was afraid to admit it, even to myself. Edwin Montague, you're taking this Uncle Goodhart seriously. Lily, the whole thing seems to have escaped you. You don't seem to understand what's happened. 
I took a cold, shapeless character on a piece of paper and breathed life into it. I gave it depth, understanding, sympathy. Edwin, what's happened to you? Lily, this is 1950. You must keep up with progress. I tell you, Lily, radio is the coming thing. <laughs> the coming thing? Yes, and I thank my lucky stars that I had the foresight to get in on the bottom floor. <laughs> the bottom floor? Please, now the subject is closed. Agnes? Yes, Uncle? Will you be so kind as to remove that saperone soap from my bathroom? Oh, now, really, Edwin. Must the first thing that greets my eye every morning have to remind me of that Aunt Agatha? Oh, no. You're not starting on Aunt Agatha again. Edwin, you're a huge success with ten million panting listeners. And Aunt Agatha went up to eleven million. Eleven million drooling morons who would rather listen to that horrible creature than the first truly artistic program in radio, Uncle Goodhart. Edwin. Lily, I never hated anyone before, but this harridan, this slatter, and this tear-jerking female imbecile, <laughs> she's... She's corrupting the nation. Edwin, I can't understand you. Of course you can't, Lily. But it's not your fault. You're cooped up in your office at, at the Women Bird Watchers of America. You're out of touch with modern living. Edwin, when I retired from the stage, joining the Women Bird Watchers of America gave me a new interest in life. You have your work, I have mine. I know. But if you could only see how radio works, can't you take just this one afternoon off from your bird watchers and, and see one of my broadcasts? I can't, dear, especially not now. The office is in an uproar. The starlings are leaving for the south. <laughs> well, let somebody else wave goodbye to them. I'm sorry, Edwin. Oh, I'll, I'll get it. Hello? One moment. It's for you, Edwin. It's Malone, the publicity man. Uh, give me that phone. Malone, you lying gastric of a worm. Why wasn't Uncle Goodhart mentioned in Winchell's column this week? And where were those big newspaper breaks you said I'd get yesterday? Four o'clock in the morning. I dragged myself down to the Fulton Fish Market to crown Miss Softshell Crab. <laughs> All I see in the papers are mentions of Aunt Agatha. Malone, get on the ball. Let's see some action. Not one line in the morning paper. Oh, Edwin, all this publicity. What if the proscenium club finds out? Oh, not a chance. I, it's all in the name of Uncle Goodhart. No pictures. I've taken every precaution. At Radio City, I use the freight elevator. Well, Edwin, I might as well show this letter to you now. It's from Jarvis, president of the proscenium club. Where is it? Oh, no. He wants to see me today. Lily, they couldn't have found out. They couldn't have found out. Ah, good afternoon, Mr. Monaghan. Hello, Henry. Here, let me take your coat, sir. You're getting to be quite a stranger here at the Proscenium Club. Busy rehearsing a Shakespeare play, I presume. Shakespeare? <laughs> Not quite. Not quite, sir. Did Mr. Jarvis mention... Oh, yes. He's expecting you. Mr. Jarvis, Mr. Montague's here. Hello, Jarvis. Montague. Mm, Montague. Eh, too, Brutus. <laughs> What's wrong? 
I thought you'd be the last, Montague, the very last ever to betray the high ideals of the theater we proscenium's live by. Jarvis, you, you mean, you know? Yes. How did you find out? Guy Teasdale saw her. Jarvis, I had to do it. I, I was broken. Her? Who's her? Your wife, Lily. What about Lily? Montague, how could you permit her to be seen every afternoon with that renegade, that, that traitor to the theater, Cecil Banks? Cecil Banks? Why, only ten minutes ago she was seen again having a drink with him in on a nondescript bar. Ten minutes ago? Oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, right this moment, my wife is busy in the office of the Women Birdwatchers of America. Montague, are you sure? Sure? Why? In fact, I'll telephone her now and, and let her talk to you. Where's her telephone book? Right here, sir. Thank you, Henry. Uh, here you are. Women Beagle Breeders Association. <laughs> Women Bowlers of Mount Kis... Uh. Ah, here you are. Women Bird Watchers of America. Circle five. <laughs> At a bar with Cecil Perkins. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Uh, Women Bird Watchers of America? I'm a starling. I just phoned to say goodbye. <laughs> Oh, no. No, I'm joking. May I please speak to your recording secretary, Miss Lily Boehm, better known as Mrs. Edwin Montague. What? No one by that name has ever been associated with your organization. For three long years, it's been... Cecil Banks. The husband is the last to know. I've been betrayed! It's a cottage small by a waterfall. Oh, it is kind of catchy, isn't it, Agnes? Oh, it's real gone. Say, for a woman whose husband didn't come home last night, you seem in a cheerful mood. Oh, well, Henry called. Edwin stayed at the club last night. Oh, it's good to see him take an interest in the theater again. He was going overboard on Uncle Goodhart. I'll get the door. Ah, here's Uncle now. Good morning, Agnes. Lily. Good morning, darling. She sings. <laughs> Did you have a good night's sleep, sweetheart? Sleep. <laughs> Agnes, will you make some more coffee? Coffee. <laughs> All right, Edwin, what's made you so depressed? Were you snubbed by young Widow Brown? What's wrong? Wrong? Oh, nothing at all. You must have had a big day at the office yesterday, what with the starlings and all that. Oh, oh yes, I couldn't even get out for luncheon. Oh, frailty, thy name is woman. <laughs> Edwin, for heaven's sake, what's upsetting you? Sorry, my dear. It is rather old-fashioned to be in these modern times to show such emotion. Just because... Just because my wife has found another man. Another man? Edwin, are you mad? 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 Oh, that these ears would fall off rather than hear her galling lies. 
These same ears that heard the real recording secretary of the women bird watchers say that Mrs. Edwin Montague was never a member of their organization. Oh, oh, that. Well, you see, as the bird watchers, I go under the name of Lily Boehm. Lily Boehm. <laughs> oh, grave, where is thy victory? <laughs> Lily, stop lying. You've never been in that office. But Edwin... And for three years, it's been another man. Another man? Edwin... Silence! Did you or did you not meet clandestinely yesterday in a cheap little bar with Cecil Bank? It wasn't a cheap little bar. Oh, the brazenness. <laughs> the mean, tawdry aspect of it all. Edwin Montague, how dare you intimate a thing like that? Because I happened to meet Cecil on the street and he bought me a drink. Quiet! Uh, do you deny that for the last three years you've been lying to me about where you were every afternoon? No. And you deny there's another man? Yes. Then explain those three years to me. Edwin, don't ask me to. I want the truth. Lily, for heaven's sake, what were you doing every afternoon for the last three years? Well, all right, Edwin. You asked for it. Well? I'm Aunt Agatha. Oh, no. Lily, not that. Yes. Please, please, oh, oh say you've been seeing another man. <laughs> say Cecil Banks, any man, anything but Aunt Agatha. Oh, please, oh, not that. Yes, Edwin, I'm Aunt Agatha. But just for another two oh, weeks. Oh, that is... What do you mean, just another two weeks? Aunt Agatha's going off the air. It is? Yes. <laughs> Oh, what a shame. Why, it's a good little program. A good little program, and you did a little wonderful job on it, sweetheart. But I don't understand giving up such a successful radio program. Oh, they're not giving it up. We're going on television. Oh, a smart move, smart move. Yes, yes, I think so, too. Yes, great idea, great idea. I know. Well, dear, that will leave you king of the afternoon airlane. So what? The main thing, darling, is that we're still together. Sweetheart? Sweetheart. That's my little Lily. Ah, say, I'm hungry. Agnes, cornflakes for two. <laughs> oh, by the way, Lily. Yes? Could you explain one thing to me? Yes, Edwin? Just what is television? us again next Friday, same time, same station, for another visit with the magnificent Montague, starring Monty Woolley, written and directed by Nat Hyken. Lily Boehm is played by Ann Seymour. Agnes is played by Pert Kelton. Also heard today were Johnny Gibson, John Griggs, Art Carney, Gavin Gordon, Anita Anton, and Bob Hastings. Jack Ward was at the organ. Your announcer, Don Pardo. Times mean good times on NBC. There's fun and laughs with the chimes tonight when Duffy's Tavern goes on the air. As usual, Duffy won't be there, but Archie, played by Ed Gardner, will definitely be on hand to spread his doubtful advice where it does the most damage. And of course, Archie's colleagues in comedy, Miss Duffy, Clifton Finnegan, and Eddie the Waiter, will all be around to bewilder poor Archie. And a reminder for mystery it's The Man Called X on Saturday nights. 
preceding was transcribed. Now join the gang at Duffy's Tavern on NBC.